There's so much beauty and joy and freedom in finding that devotional life. The devil works hard to make sure that we are not fully authentic friends, so it takes work, it takes sweat. If you're just going to sit there and sob about the circumstances that you're in, nothing's going to change. The practice of our faith is a daily thing. The natural order of relationships are towards chaos, disrespect. But Christ absorbs it and returns that with love. When we face suffering, we want to like, we want to fight. We want to just lash out at the world because we're in so much pain. Your life is not your own to do with what you please. It was bought and paid for by Jesus on the cross. You actually do not have the right to do whatever you want to do. Oh my gosh, this is going to be a mess. (laughs) Welcome back to the Armor of Light podcast. My name is Brady, joined as always by James and Jared. Today we have a special guest, Luke, joining us to discuss discernment, the role it has in the Christian life and the Catholic faith, what what we should do in light of it, and how we can work it into our lives every day. Mm. Gentlemen, what do we, what is discernment? What does that word mean? Well, we were just looking up the Latin roots of this <laughs> before this. Um, it's to, like the actual word discernment is just to like, to pick out um, from what, uh, you know, to pick out and to discover it from what is hidden. Um, I think, like, uh, personally, um, for me, and just, like, thinking about what discernment is, it's really uh, an alignment of my, my own desires with God uh, and to um, learn to, like, trust in the desires that, that God gives me so as to follow his will and to live a more, more fruitful life. Um, so would you say that that picking out or that picking apart is kind of separating uh, what your desires are from, well, you want your desires to be aligned with ultimately the will of God, but mm-hmm. that picking apart is, I guess, finding those desires that are not the correct desires, those that are strictly worldly desires and those that aren't in alignment with our ultimate good. So is that, would you say that's part of discernment? Um, that's kind of like discriminating amongst your own desires. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. I think so. Cause like you have, um, like not every desire that I have speaks to my deepest self, right? right. Like I have, um, you know, a desire to eat raisin bran every night or fruity pebbles, <laughs> depending on the season. Um, and <laughs> wait, that's a seasonal season. <laughs> <laughs> um, more on that later. <laughs> uh, and but that that is um that doesn't speak to who my who my true self is in the same sense that um you know a desire to like give fully of myself does or something like that so you have to be able to to pick out um what desires are actually um coming from something deep and what desires are are based and just like um springing almost from like an animal sense maybe um I would define discernment as the response to the call of vocation. Mm. So every call requires a response. And when God calls us, when he gives us a vocation, which he does when he creates us, um, vocation comes from the word vocare, which is to call. Um, And so God gives us a vocation. He calls us. 
And our response to that call is discernment. It's the picking out what what is of this world and what is God's call. Um, I think um, typically when people think of discernment, they think, am I being called to the priesthood? Am I being called to be a sister? Am I called to religious mm-hmm. life? Am I called to marry life? Those big things, um, which maybe we can talk about different kinds of discernment, different levels. Because there's certainly a difference between deciding, discerning what job you're right for or what job you might be called to do and who to marry. Mm-hmm. Those are those are different. I would maybe call those like big V vocation and small little V vocations. So is there a difference in the discernment process of those two different calls? Well, I guess you could say that God still has a call, even if you're just trying to figure out what job you're going to go into. Like if you're going to go into engineering or into education, that would be little v vocation. But God still is calling you to do one of those two things. Oftentimes I think your desire in that, in that instance is, it could be more animalistic, but that could be, it could be a good response to that vocation. So like if you're passionate about engineering, for example, even though it's not a big V vocation, that that passion that wells up in you to do that is still a response to that call that you were created to fulfill. And also making sure that passion is in like the right place. Like I think when it comes to jobs, it's best to be like, okay, maybe this one offers more money, which would be good to be able to provide for a family, for whatever. But also, is the work that I'm doing going to be fulfilling? Is it going to serve others in a good way? Or is it going to try to exploit other people? And I think there's a lot of like ways that you can, you're going to have to like think through a lot of things because if you're not doing it for the right intentions, I think that that can just almost be as harmful as when you don't discern for a job or if you don't, I would say that 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 would fit more in with like your discernment for over like a lowercase v vocation than um, your uppercase v. So would we say that our discernment for those lowercase v vocations like a job are there to bolster our discernment of the uppercase v vocation, which is mm-hmm. if you have a job, often that's to support a family because your ultimate vocation is to marriage. But um, that job is is a lesser call than the call to marriage. Mm-hmm. But it still plays into that call to marriage. Yeah, you still I, have that responsibility to provide. It's It's a supporting role. And then also you have to understand what you're taking away from that job that isn't only money. You also are you're putting your soul in a place where either it's serving other people and being fulfilled or it's being exposed to a lot of things that can hurt it. And that all ends up coming back home to the, to your family and your wife. So I think that that you have to be in a place where you know that what you're doing, or at least you can trust that what you're doing isn't putting your soul in a place where it's going to like make you want to lash out on your family or, Mm -hmm. um, or you're not saying things that are like in an environment where people can say crude comments and 
um, really just derogatory towards other people. I think that that it's important to make sure that you're discerning whether, you know, what you're bringing home with your job. Yeah, I've heard it I've heard it put before that there's like a, there's like an umbrella discernment that follows what your personal vocation is, and under underneath this umbrella, you have your state of life vocation. State of life being like called being called to marriage, being called to priesthood or religious life or consecrated singlehood, um, and that like, um, yeah, kind of what you're what you're saying, Jerry. It's like you want you want to have everything in your life being ordered. Um, like once you become married, you're not just like done with discernment, you know, it's like you, you constantly want to have things, um, to be searching for how God is like calling, um, calling you to give more and more like within, within that state. So like a priest, you know, someone's called the priesthood or actually, sorry, this is good. Mother Teresa, right. She was like called to religious life and she enters this order and but like while within her while within her order she experiences this like call within a call that she puts where she continues to be receptive to exploring like lord what is your personal vocation for my life like um like i'm already in this state of life but what specifically you want me to do and then the lord places a call on her to go you know serve the poorest of the poor in calcutta right um which really came just like from a continued openness to discerning where the Lord is calling even past like a state of life, like how is how everything in your life lines up to follow the Lord. Yeah. And I think it's important for us to realize that it's, this is all like our life is all one cohesive thing. It's very difficult to compartmentalize like our little V vocation, our capital mm -hmm. V vocation. Oh, that's just my job. This is just my family. These are just my church friends. These are my like school friends. All of it is is our life, and that makes us who we are. Mm -hmm. So that that discernment plays into pretty much everything that we that we do in our lives. Mm -hmm. And it's important that that discernment is constantly seeking to respond to the call to do the next the next right thing. Nice frozen two reference there. The next. <laughs> well, I'm glad half the table got that. <laughs> all right. I'll plead ignorance of all Frozen uh, comments. That's Whoa. fair. Mm. That's fair. From Frozen 2. I've seen Frozen 1. Okay. Yeah. Not a sponsor. <laughs> <laughs> so are there only two, like, kind of categories of discernment? It's either you're married or you're religious? Is there... Is there more than one genre where either you wear a ring or a collar? <laughs> like just an average gel. Like I would say that that's, I mean, discernment can go beyond just vocational discernment. I mean, like what you said, James, I think it all stems from your uppercase V vocation and how you're supposed to live your life. But even from the day to day, um, you know, offering an opportunity for the Lord to make you think on something that you do normally. Like, is this something that's good for me or is this something that uh, isn't? You know, <clears throat> this happened to me the other day. I was, um, you know, I realized I was just like super mad just listening to the news all the time. And I would listen to like 
three hours of news podcasts all the time, every day, and sometimes four. And it just wasn't good for me. Like, Mm -hmm. I was, as much as I enjoyed it, and I, I liked having that, especially having noise when I was at work or something, it didn't help to... It didn't really, it wasn't really fulfilling anything other than like an addiction of sorts. Mm -hmm. And I realized that it wasn't doing anything good for me. It was just dampening my mood. And so I had to make the tough decision to, to, you know, lay off of it for a while. And it was really hard because I've got subscriptions with both of these things. And I was like, (laughs) oh man, I paid money for this. And so... Yeah, it just is. Now I have to think about that next down the road. Do I want to make that subscription or not? Like, but opening the, it opens the door to new discernment. And um, at the end of the day, I realized that I could be serving the Lord better if I was able to moderate my intake of that of news. Mm-hmm. And I think that that it can play on that in many things beyond just our vocations. Yeah, I like how you talked about the desire for constant noise, because uh, I've experienced that as well. But I think an important part in discernment is, I think discernment requires silence, because if, if it is a response to a call, I think it's easiest to hear the call when we're in silence. And when we don't give ourselves that opportunity to even acknowledge that maybe that there is a call, um, then we're never going to hear it. So do you guys think... What role do you think silence plays in this this discussion on discernment? Uh, yeah, I think it's like, well, maybe I wouldn't always say necessary silence, but I think like um, silent prayer, contemplative prayer, is like everything when it when it comes to discernment. Um, just because like we are uh, like there's an image that they use in in searching for and maintaining peace that is really good of like we if we are a body of water. Um, and we want to be able to reflect God's rays. It's like that actually happens when we are like completely still, right? We're like we're not rapid and tumultuous and moving around and like strained by, you know, constant news input or different things like this. Um, and so that that calming of our seas happens through like sitting with the, the Lord in silence and just allowing him to resh- reshape our hearts to be, to be one of a peaceful interior state so that he can actually show us our desires and show us where we want to go. And so let's kind of get back to, I mean, get into the process of discernment, I guess you could say. When you, um, let's say you're sitting in your silence, and how do you know that the call is what the Lord is calling you to do versus perhaps some passion flare up? Mm Mm-hmm. What's the difference? I'm sure you've been able to, maybe this, everyone, like, what is the difference? And then um, how do you act on that, I guess? Yeah, I think uh, I would go back to, to like a lingering sense of peace um, with, with decisions that uh, help, guide to show you that that was actually from God and not from yourself. Uh, because, yeah, kind of what you're saying with just like flares of passion, like that happens all the time, right? Like I, um, 
I don't know, like I, when I visited Mundelein this summer, um, what I was, was Mundelein for context. Sorry. Sorry. Mundelein's a seminary in, in Chicago. Okay. Great seminary, but like very wealthy. I don't know. <laughs> just like very nice, very rich. And I was just like really bothered by this. Um, and I was like sitting in my room that night and all of a sudden like the, like the, the idea came to me. It's like, I should just go be homeless. Right. Like I can go do this. And, and like, I, like I, I was like struck by this like fit of passion, um, that, yeah, I don't know. It's like kind of like set, sent me to the floor and like, you know, um, kept me up all night. But basically this is all just to say like, you have these experiences of just like a passion that is, um, like all consuming and I can't always trust those, uh, those passions in the moment. Like they have to be tested. Like Paul or Peter says, like, we must test everything that, that comes, um, to see if it is from God. Mm. And at least for me, like when I have these passions, it's like, okay, you know, like I'm not just going to dismiss it immediately, you know, like going and becoming homeless seems like dumb and, and like useless. But it's like, okay, let, let me take that and actually just like um, take it seriously and bring it to God and be like, this is what I experienced. Like, is this something that I should um, continue to feel peace in, right? Um, or sorry, is this, like, is this something you desire for me? And like, I tell that by, by um, letting it linger and, and, and seeing if there is peace that comes from that decision or not. I think too with the the passions that might arise during the initial stages of discernment, it's good to cultivate self-control for those passions because you need an intentional contemplative mind to be able to engage discernment. And you're not going to have that if, you know, you see an attractive person and now you're spiraling into lust or you get a tinge of hunger and now you have to eat something like those are base passions, but if you can't recognize those thoughts and those desires and put them in their place, then you won't be able to, you'll just be distracted. Like that's that noise you're talking about. So cultivating that self-control, cultivating the, the virtues would probably clear up a lot of that noise in the discernment process, especially in your prayer. Mm -hmm. I would, I would agree with that, but I'd also say that like, we have no idea like the, um, the extremity of God's plans for us. Right. And I think like, at least for me, a lot of the times what happens is like, I I receive something that I think is like super extreme or, um, like what you're saying with like, like lust after something like after a woman, right? Like I, I see someone who's like beautiful and it's like, okay. Um, my mind wants to just be like, okay, I need to like shut this down um, because like, it's going to turn it into lust and that's dangerous. Like I've seen this pattern before, but actually like the greatest freedom comes when I'm able to like ex- explore that be like, God, I don't know if what I'm experiencing right now is, is good or it's bad, but I want to invite you into it. Mm. Um, just like with open, open, abandoned hands. And so I think the same thing applies to discernment. It's like we experience desires that we like think 
are good or are bad, but really we don't know until we give that to God and have him tell us. How does that not lead to you just questioning like everything you do, I guess? Like, I feel like at times in my discernment, when I open myself like to be questioning about, open up myself up to questions, I wonder like, oh, this is kind of the answer that I've been flowing with for a while. Is this like passion? Is this peace and this desire like from me? Am I like centrally making this peace or like, um, is there not actually peace? Am I just kind of suppressing something? You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? Like, how do you not get into a place where you're um, second guessing yourself at a, at a lot of times? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's because like we don't experience all of our desires at the same time, right? Like we, like you kind of have to hold on to desires that you feel a little bit. Like I experienced something at some point. It's like, oh, okay, I understand that. No, I like recognize that consciously. Um, so that's a really good question. That's actually, well, something I'm working through right now, um, which goes to the, you know, discernment podcast, not getting too personal type of thing, I guess. (laughs) Oh, (laughs) um, I don't know. Do you guys have thoughts on that? What is it exactly? It's your question. So I, I guess like, and maybe this could be chalked up to not being able to find peace, but like, if you find yourself like, oh, this is something I really did have a good experience with. Mm. Um, and like what you said, Luke, if it, if it comes up to you in prayer when you're contemplating something and it's just overwhelming passion of and peace, and it is a cultivation of your desires to, and it's not just for yourself, but like you want to serve and this is where you feel like it would be the best that you could serve. Mm-hmm. And then after a while, maybe it's not as like bright and glowy and stuff, but it's still there a little bit, you know, Mm -hmm. how do you know that that passion wasn't just fleeting? Mm -hmm. How do you know that it was something that was a call from God? I think peace is different than like proof. It's different than assurance. Like God is not, you, we aren't able to see into the future and, and know 100%, certainly beforehand, you know, like if I'm debating um, marrying this girl or becoming a priest, then it's not going to click until you get that ring or you, you're supine on the altar, right? Or the, you know, when you're getting ordained, mm-hmm. there's something that happens there that locks it in. But until then, that you're not going to. Maybe that's what we're calling peace. You're not going to have that assurance. I think it, the bottom line comes to, do you think you could lay your life down for this? Mm-hmm. Can you devote and sacrifice for this thing? If the answer is yes, then God's not going to disappoint you later on. Right. If you're able to lay down your life, like, and if you're able to trust that God is able to take whatever little you're able to give him, then like that trust will, will give you enough peace. Like there doesn't have to be a perfectly right decision. It just has to be trust that God will be able to work with what you're able to, to give him. Yeah. Yeah. So it sounds like we're saying discernment doesn't always lead to like certainty hundred percent of the time. Is that, would we agree with that? Yeah. Or, okay. Mm-hmm. 
I would agree with that. Because, yeah, I've been, I've been wrestling with that a little bit too. Because ultimately, like trying to maintain peace with the fact that like God is a mystery. And that is incredibly frustrating because like certainty would be so much, mm-hmm. so much easier. Mm-hmm. But I don't know if we're called to like find certainty in something. Like if we find something that we can lay down our lives for, God will provide us the grace to, to do that. But that doesn't mean we stop questioning, like self-consciously, like our ability to lay down our life for something. Mm-hmm. So yeah, like that, like there's two extremes, like certainty and discernment. Um, discernment doesn't always lead to certainty. Mm-hmm. I guess that's hard. At least that's been hard for me to uh, wrap my head around. Yeah, I think that I have that too. It's um, when you're discerning, you're just like okay, give me this, like, you know, just tell me what you want me to do and I'll do it, you know, and you you try to have that, like you said, certainty and that guarantee, like, it makes you want to just keep on fuddling around until you get to that guarantee and I think that that's something that personally I need to uh, work out of my life and figure out how mm-hmm. to get away because I know that you're never going to know exactly. You just, you do have to trust. So. Yeah. That, that faith has to be there, but we can have hope and confidence that God will reward that faith. I think, um, just, yeah, like I totally get like the attitude of like, uh, just, yeah, tell me what you want and I'll go do it. Like I'll go do this thing. And I think like, um, a lot of the times, like what that has manifested in my life is almost just like, um, like more mortification or something that God is actually like calling me towards, you know, like I, um, like what will happen is I will like, see, I think I have like some desire and I'm like, well, crap, this is coming from myself. I need to kill this. And so that God's desire can actually shine through. Um, and it's like what I've been like res- what I received a good, a little bit in prayer over this winter break, um, especially at Seek, was just more so um, not I need to, like, uh, you know, mortify myself until I'm absolutely nothing and then God can use me, but rather just an image of, like, playing, right? Like, I would, ha- having, like, an image of being on a playground, right? And you have the Father. And uh, someone has used this in a talk, right? And so this is, like, in, in, you know, inserted itself into my prayer as well of, like, you keep going up to the father and you're like, Hey, can I go down the slide? You know, can I go swing? He's like, yes, son, I go, go down the slide or go, go on the, the little bouncy horse thing with the springs for the legs. <laughs> um, and eventually it's like, you go, to, you go to the father. He's like, I just want you to play. Right. I just want you to have like total freedom and play. And yeah, I think that just like ties so much to like how we think about discernment of like, um, God, God will show us, he would show me and you and all of us, like where he wants us to be by allowing us to play and giving us total freedom. Like I think St. Catherine of Siena, she has that quote of like, be who you are and you set the world on fire or um, St. Irenaeus, like the fulfillment of, 
of God is man fully alive or something like that. I don't know. Help me out. Okay. I, I can't help you. <laughs> <laughs> um, and yeah, I think um, that just made me think of that just because I've, ha- I've had that mindset a lot too of just like wanting to like uh, mortify and do, do God's will, but really just having, I'm trying to learn the acceptance of just having the freedom to play, you know, in my discernment and like, explore different routes and have trust that God will still be there to catch me on the way back. And I think too, when God sends us out to that playground, we, we may like certain rides over other, you know, toys or whatever. And similarly, I think God uses our passions, our interests, our skills, like our, we, like he made us with a preset, you know, set of skills and we choose to do or talents and we develop those or we gain skills. We have, you know, intellect. And so he works within us. So it's not that, uh, you have to recognize that a passion that you desire to do, identify that and then kick it away because, Oh, that's from me. Mm-hmm. But God is working in you and through you. Um, so note that interest, note that passion and say, oh, okay, what are you doing here, God? Why, why am I being called to do this thing? You know, mm-hmm. I think I really like that analogy of the playground because um, it makes me think of in elementary school where I went, there was a playground and off to one part of the playground, there was all the swings. One part of the playground had the jungle gym for older kids, the jungle gym for younger kids. Um, and everyone was off doing their own thing in a way, like every, like, and then there was a field right next to all the playgrounds. So you had people who wanted to go play football would go out and play football in the field. People who wanted to play four square would do four square in the middle of the playground. And then there was, um, the people who competed on the monkey bars, those who would jump up and down on the, the rock climbing wall. And, uh, and then there was this kid who was really good at pushing people on the tire swing. And that was, you know, that was his vocation. Like, <laughs> Big V. He was, he could get people to like spin like crazy. Um, I know that people would go and they'd throw up because, <laughs> because he'd push them and then they'd want to do it again. I mean, like, you know, crazy kids. But hey, it, it was like you said, everyone was free to do what they wanted mm-hmm. and people were able to find their groups and find kind of what they liked doing in, even in their game, like that they were playing. Yeah. Yeah. And we they, would, sorry. No, sorry. Go ahead. I was going to say, and we would say someone was doing recess wrong if they were just standing off in the corner mm-hmm. trying to figure out which of those activities <laughs> to do. Uh-huh. Yeah. Like and, said, oh, <laughs> the swings look fun, but so does football. And I can't decide between any of those. So I'm just going to stand here in the corner well, for all and, of recess and contemplate well, what I should do. And then the bell rings good. and it's like, all right, time to go back in. Well, and it's not like you just keep going up to the teacher and saying like, what should I play? What should I play? Uh-huh. You're right. Like, wow, yeah, that, that is a, a lot better analogy. Like that is so good than way better than, way i've discerned (laughs) it kind of takes the pressure off a little bit you know like we're not saying play like it doesn't matter yeah don't be frivolous with it but but 
the freedom to know, okay, like I can test out the waters and, and not have to be super worried. And mm-hmm. trust that, you know, if, as long as your intentions are pure, God will lead your intentions to where he feels like you can use them in the best way. Like with your talents, your desires, and your heart, you know? Yeah. Maybe I wasn't very good on the monkey bars, but I really wanted to go play football. That's mm-hmm. that's where I was, you know, it was best at. Yeah, so mm-hmm. I guess you could say. And that's, more, that's like most beautiful too. Um, like you were saying earlier, the glory of God is a man fully alive. Um, like we are the body of Christ. And so it's a beautiful thing when the, the left toe of the body is the left toe, right? Like uh-huh. the left toe is not going to discern itself into a right ear, mm-hmm. but it's a good and beautiful thing that it does what it does and it is who it is. Um, it doesn't need to worry about what, well, it needs to enjoy and like participate with the body. It is part of it, but he, you know, the left toe doesn't have to be a right ear. Right. It wouldn't be good at it either. <laughs> and I, th- I think that's a super difficult thing, like, in our Christian life of when we have people who guide us and are, like, our role models, and they're the, the big toe. <laughs> and we just really want to be the, big, be the big toe because we've seen how well it works for them, right? Mm-hmm. But, like, if, if we're not called to be the big toe, we'll just be straining and straining to actually fit that role. You're just a pinky toe. It's I'm, okay. I, and I'm not as useful for balance, <laughs> but you can still paint me. Uh, yeah. well, and, and I'd say returning to the 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 recess analogy with that too is, I mean, if you were like really pressuring a friend of yours to come like join on the monkey bars or mm-hmm. the tire swing, if you were really pressuring them to do that, and they did it because they were out of pressure they wouldn't enjoy themselves. Mm. And so you would know that they weren't doing what they wanted to do. And like, um, and it, you know, in a way God doesn't call us to do that. Mm -hmm. And I think that that's something really important to, to think about when it comes to discernment is yes, it, it could be really fun and it could be really good to, go on the tire swing and throw up uh-huh. <laughs> in this analogy. Um, it could be really good to do that, but it it isn't what you are called to do. It isn't where you're going to find your enjoyment. You maybe want to keep your lunch down, you know? So. Yeah, I definitely relate to that. I like, um, and I think that's true for s- smaller things than just like our state of life vocation discernment. It's like I I first developed... Like a, clo- like I came to know the Lord more through like praying consistently each day, and especially say like praying a holy hour, right? And so it's like I knew how to do the monkey bars in that way. And then it's like everyone that I cared about, it's like I'm like you guys need to be praying a holy hour each day because like this is the only way to actually like know the Lord. Like this is how I thought thought about it, and like still you know have those thoughts commonly. But actually like um, just as we need to accept for ourselves that we might be uh, called to live our Christian life in a different way than those around us. It's the same when we look at other people that we care about. We need to trust that God can be leading them um, in a different way than he has led us, even though we can't see it ourselves. Yeah, and a lot of times I think that your intentions could be really good, too, and wanting mm-hmm. to like have that kid on the tire swing with you. Um, like That's why you're wanting to pressure him, because... 
you're getting so much joy out of this thing that you want to invite someone to it. Mm -hmm. That I think is a good thing too. And it gives them something to, they can enjoy it while they're there if they so choose. And then decide, Hey, maybe this isn't for me to go like long term. You know, I'm not going to stay on the tire swing all recess. So, Mm -hmm. so when that does happen, when you're confronted with, um, a discernment, a thought of discernment that you don't like, or maybe you're even scared of, like, how do we keep an open heart in those kind of situations? How do we not close off ourselves to that, but in humility, engage those thoughts, you know, suss it out a little bit and trust that you're not going to get trapped in that, right? Like, it's okay to consider things that you never thought were possible. Mm-hmm. Or that you were being called to. Mm-hmm. How do we keep an, an open heart? <laughs> if you have something to say, go ahead. Okay. Um, yeah, I think um, like the the reason it's hard to have an open heart is because we're losing something that we value so much. Like mm. I'm in a relationship. I really value this relationship, right? Like I love this person. But like maybe I am being called to something else. It's like if if that relationship is the highest good in my life, it's going to be really freaking hard to get rid of that thing. But if, if I have a good that is higher even than that relationship and that good being God is like um, telling me that like maybe maybe you're made for something else, then it... I'm able to place that trust in that higher good, you know, but um, I think that comes just from over time, just developing more and more trust that, you know, it actually is and is in God's hands um, and that he actually does desire our good more than we think that we, more than we possibly know. And I think a lot of the fear when it comes to discernment comes when you have to make that decision that makes it so you can't do those other things. Um, In marriage, you can't go around and flirt with other girls. In the priesthood, you can't flirt with any girls. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, (laughs) And then (laughs) and in this the consecrated single life, like you've given that your vow of chastity to the Lord Mm -hmm. so that he can use your life for something. And you're going to be tempted, to, always tempted to want to go back and have that same freedom that you had before when you were just at recess. So it that can be really daunting yeah, for, I, yeah. That. Sorry, you. No, no, I can, I'd say they, that can be really daunting for me, mm-hmm. especially when I'm discerning. So Yeah, yeah, I was talking to a priest, and he said he's never wanted to be married more than right now mm. as a priest and that was not something i wanted to hear <laughs> i wanted him to say like as soon as i was ordained a priest like all the chips um everything lined up but he's like no the more i um developed into a man as a priest the more i saw the beauty in all the vocations and he wanted all of it mm-hmm. but we're not called to be the entire foot we're called to be just a toe and that requires so much humility Mm-hmm. I, I don't even know what that what that looks for like. For sure. But that was 
when I heard that, I was like, okay, this discernment thing or this, this desire for marriage or this desire for priesthood, you can desire both. And they're not like, one is not a bad desire at all, Mm -hmm. but that's just frustrating that you, the desires don't stop once you pick one. Mm -hmm. And I think like the temptation for when you like think you have one, right. Is to just like cling on to that and like dispose of everything else. But it's really just like, like what you're saying, this, this priest isn't a bad priest because he recognizes that marriage is beautiful. Mm-hmm. He's actually probably a better priest because he's able to recognize the beauty. He's able to have an abandoned posture to, to whatever good things he receives from God. Yeah. This kind of goes back to one of our prior episodes where often we see beauty and our first thought is to consume. Hmm. So you see the beauty of a marriage like from the perspective of a priest, you're going to want it. And it's about having to train yourself to understand how to receive beauty in a way that isn't consuming, in a way that is more appreciating and acknowledging the beauty that God has put into that thing. Yeah, when you see anybody fulfilling their vocation, oftentimes they're incredibly joyful. And you'd be crazy if you didn't want to have that sort of joy. So if you see a priest that's incredibly joyful, it could be crazy to not want to be a priest. Or if you see a married couple that's incredibly happy together and they're, they have beautiful kids running around all over the place laughing, like you'd be crazy not to want that. So that being able to perceive that beauty, but still being able to like distance yourself from it, that's, that's tough. Yeah. I think about, um, there's an image I heard once about like you... So like say that like say you're looking at a fire right and there's all these like dancing dancing tendrils of the fire going up into the air and you look at how beautiful that is and so like I look at you know like our friend John and his just like amazing humility right and just like how well he serves other people and it's just such a beautiful beautiful dancing tendril of fire or um, like other friends of mine who you know go make podcasts or different things like that <laughs> uh, and I'm like I definitely don't want to do that but like. Regardless, you are. <laughs> uh, it's like what we are, what we want to grasp after and be is that dancing tendril of fire. But like when we actually go to grasp after that, there's, there's nothing there because it's, it, it springs from something that comes from below. And like what we really need to do is actually turn, turn our eyes below and say, where is that, where is that tendril of joy coming from? And it's coming from being rooted in just like the, the base of the firewood and the embers and the heat of, of God that actually allows us to spring forth like that. Uh, I think that that is just so hard for me because I just like always model my life after other role models and things like that. And so to actually trust that my, the expression that God wants for me of the Christian life could be different than other people that I look up to is just so difficult to not try to grasp after the way they express it. Yeah, because ultimately their joy isn't coming from, in a marriage, for example, their joy isn't coming necessarily from the other person. It's their conformity with God's will. That's where their joy is coming from, and that that plays itself out in marriage. But we see the marriage, and we think that is what the Mm -hmm. joy is. Or we see a joyful priest, and we think the priesthood, that is what the joy is. But it's the conformity that that priest has with God's will. But it's that's really difficult to because that requires a lot more work 
Yes. Yeah. Than just saying, okay, if I become a priest or if I become married, then that'll solve everything. Mm-hmm. It's not just a switch you can flip. It's true. Like, I mean, you have to, to experience that joy, you're fully bought in and you're trusting that the Lord made the right decision, you know, with, through your discernment, through your guiding. And so, um, like being able to have that peace and, and do that, I think, you know, when you have that kind of joy it draws people in, like not to dwell too much on the playground analogy, but there were kids, (laughs) there were kids who would line up for the tire swing because they knew that this guy was doing what he was supposed to do. <laughs> like, uh-huh. And so, you know, you'd have to wait 25 kids sometimes. <laughs> um, yeah, it was... But there's that certain sense of joy, and if you try to imitate it, you can't. You can't go in there and try to push the tire swing. I mean, maybe if, you're, if your vocation is the same in this analogy, mm-hmm. but... You can't imitate that and experience the same thing and draw people the same way. You have to be, it has to be authentic and it has to be like the true calling that is like guiding your heart. Like if you're, if your focus is on drawing the crowd by doing the same thing someone else is doing, it's not going to be the same. Mm-hmm. So like, I think that you have to really understand like, hey, this may be a really beautiful thing. And it may, and you may see how you want to draw a lot of people in. Like you feel like maybe this could be it. And then it just be that, you know, like I could do all this for this many people for that. But like, is that where my heart really is? Reminds me of the the line of the litany of humility. Um, So that others may become holier than I and provided that I should become as holy as I should. It's like, all we can do is accept the path we're given, we can't grasp after what others have. I think there's a Lord of the Rings quote in there too. It's mm. like we're we're called to ah, uh, oh, I'm gonna butcher this beyond recognition, <laughs> so I'm not even gonna try. It's I won't recognize book. it either way, so go ahead. It's in the first book. Just read the first book. Mm. <laughs> See, <laughs> I think if we actually had long pipes and stuff in this podcast, we'd have an easier time <laughs> talking like Gandalf. So. <laughs> okay. I think you're gonna have to talk to the maintenance staff about that, <laughs> Bruce. Mm-hmm. We could do Bruce. pipes. We could add, we could add pipes. Mm-hmm. Like a off the clock episode. <laughs> <laughs> pipes with Aquinas. <laughs> pipes. Uh oh, we just Armor walked in on trademarks. <laughs> <laughs> well, pipes was... in Aquinas would be. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Brady. I know that our our minds were totally different places. Like. <laughs> I think it's a really <laughs> fruitful discussion. Um, let's wrap it up with Luke as our esteemed guest. Um, we want to ask you, stepping broader from just discernment, but all topics really, what is the biggest obstacle and opportunity, in your opinion, that you see for young Catholics today? I think the one of the biggest obstacles is just the uh, conform the pressure to conform to the same path as everyone else. Uh, and I think this is like especially true in our age, just with the, um, I, I mean, we all have some, some form of addiction to social media 
or to some other um, uh, thing that like tells us that we should be like other people. And I think this is one of the... <laughs> Sorry, I didn't mean to call anyone out. On... You're fine. <laughs> um, I think this makes it ex- extremely difficult to have courage as a modern Christian to actually uh, be apart from the culture or to um, to really follow where God God is placing on your heart. Yeah, I think like most of questions like this, I think the like one of the greatest opportunities is the flip side of that. Um, it's that like God is knocking, like the opportunity is there for us to actually live um, in total freedom and in the the total uniqueness of call that he that he gives us, and like not a uniqueness for uniqueness sake, but rather just a uniqueness um, because that's how he manifests. He makes all of us individual and personal. Um, I, yeah, maybe what you're um, you could say that he's trying to use your uniqueness to show a new kind of love way that he loves to the world, mm. not just for the uniqueness sake, but yeah, as a way to bring his love into the world again. Yes, that's a good way. Good way to put it. Wonderful. Yeah. Thank, oh, you, Thank you, Luke. Thank you. That was We don't know. We don't know either. We've never asked So we've reached the end. <laughs> Luke, thank you so much for joining us today, uh, and thank you all for listening to another episode. This will be the kickoff to season two. We're excited to uh, have more guests on um, and get some more episodes out. Um, I We pray for all of you uh, who are listening in your discernment process and your general struggle and persistence with living uh, the good, faithful uh, Christian life, um, and we're we're walking it with you. So prayers to you and have a blessed day.